baseball, it's the little things that matter, right? And so the example I use is like runners from home to first take approximately 14 steps from home to first, right? You're a former baseball guy and you see so many bang, bang plays at first, right? Under no movement of greater turnover in your legs through mechanics, you can increase your stride length through mechanics by four to six inches. So that's about the width of the table. If I took this 14 times, probably a little bit longer, I'll just use the width of our four foot table. So if you could get the home to first and I could cut that four feet off, how many times are you safe if you hit the ball to the left side and a guy has to double clutch or doesn't field it cleanly out of the glove and then try to throw you? Because that's worth 27 points a year to your batting average. Mm. Like, I don't know if you can use an extra 27, but last time I looked, yeah. At 280 and you go over to 300, it's worth an extra three and a half million a year. <laughs> right? So how about you do the one thing which you can control, which is your mechanics on how well you can get out of the box and run the first hard. That's number one, right? Like it's, it's the simple things that matter. So in our world, a lot of teams, I coach a lot of people like you, right? And time is of the essence. And we are bogged with a bunch of time. So one of the hacks I have a lot of these experts do is you get one hour of think time every Friday. It is, un, it is guarded with all your time. It is in your spot. It's a chair, wherever you can go to get your time and all you do is think. Now, things are gonna come up in that week and say, man, this is, this is a challenge. I need to think about that and get that and get back to somebody on that. But instead of you carrying that Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, I write that into my calendar for Friday at 2 to 3 p.m. on my think time. And now it's been transferred. That thought process is transferred because I will be dealing with it, but not till Friday at 2 o'clock because it is not urgent today, right? So instead of losing all my energy and effort today on whether, you know, hey, should we let that client, you know, should, should we do this thing over here in Fort Lauderdale? Should we, I didn't think about it. You got it on your calendar Friday and no one's going to need an answer until next week. So you'll address it. Why are you messing up? Why are you losing time? Why are you asking for somebody to repeat themselves? Because you're spending time thinking about it right now on a Wednesday afternoon when you really need to be engaged in this meeting and be done with it in 30 minutes. But people are repeating themselves. It's a short meeting. So the meeting takes an extra 45 because you're distracted. Think time. And anything that comes in, dump it into your Friday think time. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, you can go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. You can click on podcasts, scroll down to this episode, other episodes, download them from the different platforms and more information on them. Of course, if you're ever looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, you can go to the homepage, click find a trusted professional. And even if it's not here in Fort Worth, we will make sure you get connected with somebody who's not an idiot to look after your financial interests and buy and sell in real estate anywhere on the planet. But we're not here to talk about real estate today. Today, we are here with my friend, Trent Clark, how you doing, brother? Jeremy, I am well. I am well, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. I am really excited about 
you being here and for the audience, if you have never gone on and watched this show and you've only listened to it, you need to at least watch the first couple of minutes because Trent brought something really cool with him that I want you to be able to see that we'll talk about here in a second. But when I started this show a little over a year and a half ago, my father-in-law said I got to do jokes. So I intentionally do bad jokes, okay, uh, just to annoy him when he's listening. Are you ready? Yes. Where do catchers sit at lunch? I don't know. Behind the plate. Mm. Good baseball joke. Ah, so I thought it was <laughs> yeah. fitting for the yeah. situation. Yeah, that's right. That does fitting for the situation. So you brought something with you today. Yes. Three very shiny things. Yeah. Tell, tell the audience about that. What are those? Yeah, so fortunate, Jeremy. I mean, young guy, athlete. Three World Series. That was my chance before I was 33 years old. You know, first one was 1995. I was 25 years old. Went to the World Series with the Tribe up in Cleveland, and uh, which would be the Guardian soon. And uh, and then again in 97 with the Indians, and then 02 with the Angels. So had a storied 12 years in MLB and through the minor league development programs and working with athletes and loved it. It's great. Great ride. So... We're, let's start off. We, we always do these where we start off kind of where you came from. So the audience kind of has yeah. an idea. Where'd you grow up? How did you get? Take us through the journey of how yeah. you got to where you're at today. Okay. Uh, Michigan kid. Uh, grew up in Battle Creek, home of Kellogg's. And uh, wanted to be a pro ball player, man. That's really what I wanted to do. I was a pretty decent athlete at a couple sports. Got involved very young age at what I call the audit of excellence. You know, my sophomore, junior, senior year, we played in state championship three times. And then my first two years, I played in the national championships for tennis at college. And, you know, then I played baseball and tennis in college, played in some big games, and then went on to professional baseball uh, with Detroit first stop of the Tigers, then with Nick Saban up at Michigan State. And it was just this next, like, just really deep dive of six to nine years of just straight, how do you become a champion? Like, how do you win it all? How do you get it done? And you know, of course, Nick just last night, right, with the, you know, national championship, right, with Alabama again for his how many time that they were in that game. He is, he's dialed into the audit of excellence, right? And so that was really where I got, you know, that, that, that passion for how just continuous improvement, right? How do you continue to get better? And so that was really my deep dive. So, you know, 12 years of professional baseball, coaching, uh, strength and conditioning, coaching athletes, preparing what's about to happen. Then very entrepreneurial. So meanwhile, while I was in baseball, I was investing in companies and starting companies. And so I've started 12 now as an entrepreneur. I, like yourself, I'm a member of the entrepreneur organization and have started over 12 companies, have a uh, CEO of Leadershipity in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We're a global leadership development group now, helping other people develop their teams, team development, leadership, elite performance, mentorship. And uh, and so I just got a passion for for people also achieving their potential. Man, so where, where'd you go to college? I went to the University of Toledo. Okay. So so I played baseball growing up. Mm. And I played in high school. But I didn't go play in college. You want to know why? 
Because I sucked at it. You <laughs> <laughs> resolved your chances. Right, right, right. I was, not, I was not any good at it, right? I mean, I was hella good at warming a bench, man. So that way, if somebody got hurt or fell down or something like that, then there was my opportunity to go prove what I didn't have a natural talent at. Boxing, swimming, really good at. Catching a ball, sometimes hitting the ball, not a chance, right? Mm. So what was it? So when you won your, your first World Series, like what tell tell the audience just kind of was was the feeling at that moment or was it after like a few days later yeah. or what Talk, walk us through that yeah so great question so first of all i've only won one oh uh, 1995 and 1997 we lost in 1995 we lost to the Braves on a Dave Justice home run lost game 6 one to nothing tough loss and uh we were a favorite so it was pretty uh it was disappointing but man i was I was 25 years old. My heads were in the cloud. It was Cleveland. We were rocking. We figured we'd be there three or four more years in a row. We were, we were what we thought were the New England Patriots back in the day, right? And uh, so, then '97, we returned again, heavy favorite against Florida and the Marlins, and lost in extra innings in Game Seven. Mm. So you know, you're like, whoa. So when O2 happened, you know, I, I went to I went to Anaheim in '99, and we were not good. I mean, we were awful. And they made big sweeping changes after 99 and 2000. Here comes Mike Sosha and a bunch of other people. And I was fortunate that they kept me on. You know, a lot of chat staff had changed over. And then we were very quickly moving. 2000, 2001. I felt like those first three years in Anaheim were some of the best coaching years of my life. Just, you know, we were just pounding for excellence, pounding for that mentality, for everything we needed. And then O2 hits and we're pretty good. And we, we catch fire at the end and playing well. Really good team game. And when we won in the last out, like I didn't really believe it, right? Like I kind of felt like, is it, is it really true? After getting really close twice and not getting, <laughs> you know, it takes, it takes like a week to sink in. Yeah. Like you don't, it's kind of fairy tale, right? Like, yeah, like I'm going to wake up and the thing's going to be like, yeah. Oh, they cut my hair and, you know, now it doesn't work anymore. You're not going <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's it's pretty wild, but you know, and and the bond, you know, you you're a military guy, and you've been in a very forward position in your life as a recon guy. So you know, I think athletics is the only thing that's probably close. It's not life or death, right? Yeah. But you build a bond with these fellow men and a few women because there's not that many in pro sports that are in, but the front office, inside, internally in that teams. I mean, there's a bond, like if you meet Kenny Hills, a local guy here. Kenny's a pitcher, coached him with Cleveland and then coached him again with Anaheim and just a really great guy. His son played quarterback at TCU. And when you see guys that you've kind of been through hard stuff with, like it's like family. It's like, it's yeah. like seeing a brother you haven't seen in 12 years, but you pick up right where you left off because it's so special, right? Like it's pretty awesome. Wow. Do you still keep in contact with any of the guys? I do. And, I do yeah. some. You know, not, I mean, uh, it's it's probably a hard thing in my line, right? Like, because what, what most people don't know is like when you're in an organization, you have like 215 to 240 kids in the organization. And they really? all, oh yeah. So you have like six minor league teams, a Dominican program. You have like a lot of different programs that are going on inside that. Called right? the farms, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. farm system, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're developing all these players for that top team. So you have six farm teams with Dominican programs. So there's seven. And then you have the major league team. So you have eight. 
and and each team has a minimum of 25, right? So that's your 200. And you got disabled lists, rehabilitation, you know, all sorts of different things that are going on all the time. So one of the things is like, as, as a coach, especially as a coach in health and wellness and fitness, which applies to every single member, they all know me. They, they move in and out so fast. Like I always don't get at that great personal mm. relationship. So the personal relationships really develop over the time. So the players that stay a while, and there's been so many Texas players because Texas is a baseball hub, right? There's just a lot of good baseball in Texas. So I have a couple of great people. You know, John Lackey was one of the yeah. best, you know, best I coached around. Just a hard-nosed guy brought up right here in Texas. You know, you see the values, you see his character, his ethics, and look how long he played, world championship with the Angels. I think he had a world championship with Boston and then a world championship with the Cubs. Like, you just need guys like that on your team. They are they are foundational backbones to creating a, a championship-level team. So, so a question I have is when it comes to being in – you know, that top tier performing team, whether you're ranked last or ranked first, right? You still made it to the show, right? Yeah. Does that have to, do you have to have a certain element of just natural talent that if the natural talent isn't there, it doesn't matter how many skill sets you learn, ethics and everything else that you go through, does it? Does there have to be some sort of natural talent in there to be able to get there? Yeah, in your I, I do. I do think there is a level of talent that you just have to have. There's a skill set. You know, we in baseball we call it five tools, right? There are five tool players, and you know, hit, run, throw. You know, you just keep going through the tools that you can do. Um, and and but I will tell you that at that top level, it's it's very unique because everybody can do it. Everybody has a high level of skill set, right? Like, and and so, actually, now the separators are all the other things. And and the Cleveland Indians were very good about this. Coach Saban knows that he's got all these, you know, what I call like swim lanes that he has to balance out, and it's everything from from nutrition to mental readiness to all the X's and O's, of course, of strategy to knowing your job to all these things that have to go. And, and when you look at this big pool, the great teams keep every lane very well guarded, cared for. They're, taking, they're, they're spending time in it. Some lanes may be bigger and more important than other lanes. Like you're just going to spend more time in them. But they're all in this pool. And so what happens is with teams that struggle, for me, what I think happens is you know, we, we just don't pay attention to this lane. Right. And all of a sudden, let's say, and, and I don't want to, you know, misinterpret what you have to do, but you have certain utilities that you have to do as you guys go forward. And I would assume that uh, equipment, ammo, all these things are so important and you have to prepare to have enough to be prepared where you're going next. Get that. Day. If, if we just said, hey, we're not going to do that and, and or we're going to kind of have to do that. And then when you really need it, you don't have it. And then you're like, well, no, we're, we're physically conditioned. We're mentally conditioned. We have all the protections that we need. We have the strategy. Hey, who was in charge of making sure we had ammunition and readies? Like, oh, well, oh, I, I missed that call. Sorry about that. I didn't get the drop. And like, wait. So what happens is, is if one is not taking care of like that lane, 
right? Oh, what happens in the pool, right? The pool starts getting algae and green and like the lane's not taken care of. And so, well, we know that that's not just going to affect that lane, right? All of a sudden, everything around it starts turning a little lighter green, a little yellow. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't take long before the whole pool's infected, right? The pool will be green. It will go green if you don't take care of it. So it doesn't matter how big or how small, it all has to be taken care of. And we have to understand our roles and who's in charge of those things because they're equally as important when the whole team's working as a unified unit, right? Yeah. And so I think that is probably so so big. When you, so when you talk about the skill sets, yes, I would say there's a high level of skill involved and people have to prepare that. But, but I recall talking to, to my son, who's, a, you know, my sons are all pretty good hockey players, pretty good athletes. And I said, you know, when, they, when we looked at athletes, we looked at, a, a what we called a, you know, what we similarly do in business with our employees. We do a uh, quarterly employee check or, you know, a, a, a review. And we may have all these areas that we want to check on, right? Well, in athletics, we checked on, you know, how are they on their personal self-discipline? Are they taking care of themselves? Do they have a personal readiness for what they have? Mentality, do they have a physically, are they ready? Are they nutritionally prepared, Right. Um, and, and I could just keep going down the line. And I, I haven't talked anything about hitting, throwing, catching, because everybody can do that. The separators become, are you doing the small intangibles to separate you from everybody else? And I think that's what probably makes, you know, Tom Brady the best in the world, right? You have this grit formula and he's not the most talented. He's not the most skilled guy. He's still notorious as holding the worst record for the 40-yard dash and the vertical jump at the combine. And he's 44 years old, still starting as a quarterback, right? And he's notorious for holding those two records, but yet, so he comes into the league. He's a, he's a University of Michigan quarterback. He's good, but no one considers him a top talent. He's a six-round draft choice, right? Okay. So, but the grit formula says, hey, here's his talent, six. Here's his effort, 10. Six times 10, 60. Okay, now we take that 60 down, his, his skill is a 60. Okay, but now 60 times 10 again, because effort counts twice, is a 600. Okay, so what happens on that first tier is I've got a 6 and a 10, but Tom Brady makes every rep count. He does everything to prepare and get better each and every time. So it's not long when the skill all of a sudden is a 7. Because he's learned everything the coaches want him to do. He's studying film. He's getting better. He's improving. A couple more years. He's an eight, but he's still got 10, tough, 10 effort. So we got an 80 times 10, 800. Well, keeps going, keeps going. Now he's a nine. Now he's a 900. You know, I don't know if he's a 10 skill guy, but he's pretty close, right? And so when you look at these guys who just have that kind of Michael Jordan, same kind of thing, cut as a JV guy, oh, you're probably a seven guy, but we're only taking eight skills. You can't make it. But he goes into full mode effort all the time, just focusing on what he does. And, man, he takes his skill from a seven to a ten fast. By the time he leaves North Carolina, like ten and ten, you know, 1,000. Now, here's my, frustra my most frustrating player to ever coach. Right, Jeremy, and maybe you had some people that you saw like this in your passings and your world, but nine talent, two effort. Yeah, I don't want to do the hard things. Yeah, like what do you do? We do we have to go out and do this today? We we could do it tomorrow. Like, 
pushing off, not focused, not willing to get the physical prep, the mental prep, all those things, they become the most frustrating people. Now, in your world, they probably eliminate themselves from reaching the highest peak because you can't have it. Yeah. There's no place for it, right? And pro athletes, they do the same thing. They just eliminate themselves. You know, the, it, it's really interesting you, you say that. So my, my younger brother and growing up, um, my, my, my parents made a lot of sacrifices because we, we didn't really grow up any money. But my mom made trades and advertisement for my brother to be able to get into races and motocross and trades to get equipment. And my dad taught himself how to basically disassemble a bike down to where all the parts are on the ground and build it back up, right? It's awesome. To be able to, to offset the cost of that. And my brother had a talent. He was a 10 rider, right? Trained by some of the best. Anybody who knows anything about motocross, Steve Wise, Ricky Johnson, mm. some of the just most, you know, that were like, yeah, I'll, I'll come train that guy because he's guy got he's got the talent. He has the skill. But my brother lacked something. That grit you talk about. He was a 10 on skill. He was a two on drive, mm. right? Where the funny thing is how siblings can be complete opposite is I'm probably a 50 million on grit and a negative 30 on skill for anything, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, but you just couldn't, you couldn't change my mind about anything. Like, for example, last week was a hell of a week for me, right? So I'm up in Wisconsin, uh, you know, to see an old NBA buddy of mine from TCU, which, by the way, we went to a Packers game on mm. that Sunday at one degree. And I'm just going to tell the audience right now, when you hear someone say hell has frozen over, go to Wisconsin at a Packers game in the winter, that is where hell has frozen. Yeah. It was a cold son of a bitch, man. Like, yeah. It was cold. And, and so then we're, we're coming back, and Tuesday flights are all over because of weather going on all over the U.S. Flights are jacked. So I don't even make it back because I was, wasn't coming back here to DFW. I was making my way, although I had to connect, end up connecting through DFW. I was going back to my house in Colorado. I don't even get to my house till one o'clock in the morning, right? Mm. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I am sick. It's like sick, sick. Like, man, what the hell is going on? And actually I thought at first, I was like, man, I probably just overindulged with my buddy because I haven't mm. seen him in a long time. And then next day it's like, man, like I am not doing well. Go down to the local medical clinic. I'm like, okay, you know, do I got COVID? They swap. Nope, you're negative on COVID. And I was like, all right, because I'd already had COVID a year earlier, actually almost to the damn date, a year mm. earlier. And then it turns out I had some sort of stomach parasite where from Tuesday to Saturday, just like a couple Saturdays ago, yeah. I dropped 15 pounds. Oh, Right. And so, which by the way, if you're looking for a New Year's diet, <laughs> yeah, right. you're wanting to lose weight. Yeah, yeah. Go get whatever yeah. the hell I had, man. You'll drop, you'll shed 15 pounds in five days. Oh. And then on top of that, it's my baby girl's 21st birthday in Fort Collins. So Friday, we got to make the drive, which is about six, seven hours mm. from Pagosa Springs up to Fort Collins. 
And then uh, Saturday's her birthday. And all I'm doing is doing everything I can to hold on just just because I want to have a cocktail with my daughter of being legal age to do everything she's probably been doing since she was 15 anyways. (laughs) Right. And but during the meantime, you know, I've got my fund. I've got my real estate team. I've got my maintenance company. I have all these things that are going on that I did not have the luxury of sleeping to rest and recoup, mm. right? To the point of, so we do a team Zoom uh, for the fund and landscaping and maintenance company every Monday. And, you know, and I told the guys, you know, I, you know, I was like, hey, I, I, man, I just, I have not, I have been under the weather. It's been really bad. And so when we were on the Zoom call yesterday and they saw me and Ricky, <laughs> it was also Another Marine, we grew up together, my closest friend, you know, we've been friends for over 40 years. We enlisted in the Marines together. And and he, he, he was like, Jesus Christ, man, like what the hell? When you clearly did not articulate how much you're under the weather. And I was just like, yeah. And, and so he and I were talking last night. So I, I, we, I get off the zoom. I, Go to the airport in Denver, catch the flight back. And then, of course, you know, it's by the time I land, like, you know, being a business owner, 50 million fires I got to put out, right? So from the time I get off the plane to get in my rental car, that's right, because all my vehicles were up in Colorado, so I had to rent a car here. And it, to till 10 o'clock last night, I'm on the phone putting out fires. Mm. And so one of them is I called Ricky about a, a, a part of a business transaction that we got. And he said, man, he goes, I, I don't know what it is about you. He goes, I've known you longer than anybody else. And he goes, and I try to explain to people is you're just, you're just wired different. He was like, when I saw, he was like, you looked unhealthy, like, like scary, unhealthy, but he goes, you don't stop. Like there's no stopping to you. Like everybody else would have at least tried to recover some and you just kept going and i said yeah and 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 it's funny is it never really hit me in almost 50 years of being on this planet until just now of i'm always trying to find out like why am i wired this way and everything else you know Mm. i'm always looking for that like man what the hell's wrong with me uh and uh because normal human beings would not do that right? right is uh is i have always strived to offset what I didn't have in skill, mm. right? Because I didn't. I wasn't born with a lot of natural talents, right? I can do the basics. I can run, jump, and swim, right? But I'm not like some master at any one thing. But my work ethic and my drive, my desire, my dedication, my commitment cannot be contested. Mm. And, and and so. It didn't hit me, so I appreciate that. I mean, I learned something about myself on these shows yeah. sometimes. It's I think huge. that might be the reason I'm – so, Laura, if you really – my wife, if she's listening to this episode, which I'm sure she's not, <laughs> you can blame my parents for not having any genetics that gave me any sort of skill sets for me to be wired like I am. <laughs> right? So – I mean, I think I think that's such a critical point that most people don't get, right? Like, so you're saying, hey, I wasn't born with skill sets, but isn't that a skill set? Isn't that a tool to be, you know, driven, 
to have resolve, to, to overcome, to, you know, we always say winners find a way, right? Yeah. And so I love the quote from the four disciplines of execution, uh, you know, Sean Covey and, uh, and McChesney. He says, winners, when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. And that's just like, hey, I'm around entrepreneurs every day as you are, right? And you get thrown curveballs, you get this, you know, you were constantly putting out fires, right? And you were constantly on unfamiliar terrain, right? Like, hey, does anyone know the road? And you're like going, I've never been this way before. Like, and, and we just like to like dial up Google and our GPS and go, turn left, turn right, you know? And like, oh, now look, I've, I've, I made it to the studio today listening to my Google, right? I, I, I prefer the hot Irish girl <laughs> yeah. voice on there. I have the British woman. <laughs> She's very nice. Yeah, I'll listen to anything she says. <laughs> she could be in a lot of trouble. I would do anything, right? So, but that is, that's the truth of it. Like we don't, we don't have this GPS. So, so let's talk about that, that, that superpower that resolve, that skill, like when shown data, winners find a way. So we trial and error, we test other ways, we go this. So on our teams, and I'm watching this very closely, there are losing behaviors and I think there's four of them and they're very evident. And I'm watching for them in my teams all the time because things don't go right. That's why we're in business, right? Like you have a job and you're hired to do something any person in the world, you have a skill set that's a level of expertise, whether you're a tradesperson, whether you went to university to study, and then they're going to give you this area to own and be responsible for. And guess what? It's not going to go perfect, right? There are going to be challenges along the way. Okay. What will you do in those challenges? Will you find a way, trial and error, test, you know, you know get all your resources together, whiteboard the snot out of it, whatever you're going to do, or... Will you show the four losing behaviors? First, will you make excuses? Oh, you know what? It's not my fault. It's Jeremy's fault. That's, you know, it's, we, we would have been fine, but Jeremy screwed it up. Now, now I'm doing blame. Number two, I'll play blame. It's not me. You know, it's the other guy, like someone else's fault. Three, like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. I, I don't know if I signed on for this hard stuff. I think I'll quit. Because there's probably a job that's somewhere out there that's easier. And then the fourth thing I see is ignoring the data. Nope, we're not losing. Nope, everything's fine. No, Jeremy, we are down 38 to 12 after the first quarter. <laughs> we're, we're not winning, right? Like, like, we are going to have to do something different, right? And, and like, nope, nope, every, game plan's fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. Really, coach? Like, is that a good idea? Because I don't think Jeremy and I are going to go on there and win. And we just, we're already down 26 points, you know, like, and people do it. So they will make excuse, they'll blame, they'll quit, or they'll ignore the data. And I do not tolerate it on any of my teams and any of the teams we coach. That is, that is, man, this is, this may very well go down. And I, I've had, 60, I think when I, I checked, we've had 63 episodes. We drop every Tuesday. We've had 63 episodes drop since I started this thing. And uh, wow, this is great content. Because I'm always looking for a way to sum things up, right? For example, James, you're going to be with yes. here shortly, right? A, a, a incredible Marine, you know, 2003 Iraq invasion, did his MBA at TCU, and, and he, he, you know, I suckered him into coming to work with me nine months ago and 
And so we were on a client. So as soon as I landed yesterday, we had a Zoom conference 30 minutes after. So I had to get to the, the rental car place, get my rental car, and then open up and jump on this Zoom with a client. And we've been transitioning James to take over my role, right? Mm. And, and so anyhow, I, and, and he and I are accountability partners too, it, it, where we met this morning, right? I was like, hey, I'm recording my series can you meet me at my house at 0630 so we can do accountability stuff? And and he was like, yeah. And I, when he walked in the door, I said, hey, on that Zoom call yesterday, you took literally a dictionary of words and summed it up in a sentence that gave an exact illustration that you could see the, the, the light bulb in the clients. Like mm. it, you basically took a million pages of data and got it down to one sentence where they understood it, saw it, illustrated. And I was like, that is impressive. That's a hard thing to do. Superpower. Just like, just like to be able to go, Hey, you know, the four losing behaviors are this is because I think what happens in business too is business gets complicated because we complicate it. Right. Simplify it, get it down, something easy. Can you digest it quickly to be able to go, Hey, blame, you know, making excuses, quitting, or ignoring the data, right? That is that is good, solid and stuff. And humans, right? We're going to yeah. do it. We're yeah. going to do it. But now, now I'm an accountability partner. So as soon as you see me do it, you know, you have permission, right, to call me out on any losing behavior. So Jeremy goes, hey, Trent, whoa, I, I just want to clear because that sounded a little bit like an excuse right there. I just want to clarify. Is that right? Like, uh, I didn't mean to make an excuse because that's not what a winner does, right? And yeah. I know it and you know it. So just that soft handle, like everyone around our group knows it and we do it, right? Like it's not like it's we've eliminated it, right? Right. It's just not tolerated. Yeah. So, and I think there's a difference. I think, you know, that superpower that you talk about, Brant Penvidic, right? Found a producer for uh, a good friend of mine. He's a producer of uh, The Bachelor, you know, Biggest Loser. He wrote a book called The Three-Minute Rule, and he's so good at that, right? He, he takes this whole, con, you know, these very convoluted concepts and say, hey, you got three minutes to sell a studio on this film. Like, you're, not, you're not getting a 30-minute presentation, like – you gotta, you gotta hook them. You got three minutes, and it's yep. gonna be the same thing with your client, with your pharmacy product, with your, you know, widget, with your service, whatever it is. And so he just dials it in. So he wrote a book called The Three Minute Rule. That's really good. I, and I love Keith Cunningham. He wrote the book um, The Road Less Stupid. And Keith, on every chapter, he says, "Let me sum it up on a bumper sticker." And I just, I love that concept, right? Where he talks for, you know, his 10, 12 minutes, they're pretty short chapters, right? And then he's like, let me, sh let me shove it up on a bumper sticker. Yeah. And I think that's good because we need simple. Let's not, let's not complicate it. It doesn't need to be complicated. We all know what we mean. Like, I may not uh, resent or regret, or may not resent the fact that I didn't do it, but I will regret the fact that I didn't do it, or at least give it a shot. So, are you smarter than a fifth? At least, if a fifth grader take a couple swings at it, and you know, my goal. What do you think? I bought the flooring franchise. You're familiar with what we do. Yeah. Could you mention something before that we started the show? Is there was a particular class? I mean, why? 
why, that why you got to and you said light bulb went off. Than, oh, Smiler's class? Yeah. 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 So Ray, Ray right? Smiler, I mean, he, he was great. Uh, Dr. Smiler. Yeah. Hey, um, super you, you probably. You know, he, he started, and, and even Dean Poland. You know, so talking about just the so things that. There becomes this arrogance around it, right? Just growth, really. I mean, it was the opportunity for personal growth. And personal growth through one, managing your own company, and just the opportunity to lead people in a more more dynamic environment. I, tell him I mean, I got to lead people in construction, but now I get to lead people right and lead projects. Well, and, you know, I'm insecure. Jeremy's got strong and, you know, not only does my livelihood my job rest on our success, but I now have that responsibility for others as this well. Is, and this is what really gets at me. And I, I like that responsibility. It, it can, can keep you up at night some nights. I mean, I know you've experienced that. But I just, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I can't stand it. So, <laughs> because I'll, I'll lose my mind, man. Because because then the real world happens, right? Yeah. You know, and and, and I had this. I had quick story. And, well, my son was 11 years old. I'm coaching little league for my kids, and I got a, a boy who can really hit. Little Sammy can smack the ball, right? And he's he's hitting number three because he's in our best hitter spot. I want him to get up in the first inning. I want him to knock kids in. You know, he don't hit it to the wall. You know, every other time, right? Great. Sammy has a great idea. Well, we see this boy, 11 years old, who's almost six feet tall and comes in just throwing little BBs at these kids. And we're like, thump, 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 sit down. <laughs> you, know, I was, you, you should swing at one of those. And, you know, like, and, and it was like, I, and I'm looking at it like, hey, you know what? Like, I don't know if I want to go in there from 48 feet, like 60 feet, I'd have felt better about it. But 48 feet is little league, right? Yeah. And so, you know, listen, you know, all, we, we, we got beat up a little bit that day. We were a pretty good team and we got beat up and everyone's kind of licking their wounds. Well, Sammy's mom calls me the next day, says, Sammy's going to quit. I said, Sammy's going to quit? Quit, quit? quit what? Well, he, he doesn't want to play ball anymore. He was so upset that he struck out three times yesterday. I'm like, no, no, no. Did you see it? Everybody struck out three times. Right. The kid was almost six feet tall. Did you see it? <laughs> he, he is a fabulous young pitcher at his age. Like, he should be playing 14U or something because he's that good. He could compete easily, right? And I said, you know, hey, man, Sammy's going to be fine. She's like, well, he's just really unhappy. And I said, great. That's awesome. He needs to come back and practice. I said, let me just take this off for baseball for a second. I said... I own companies, and I'll tell you if you let Sammy quit, in 10 years from now, he's going to graduate from college, and he's going to come to Coach Trent, ask for a job, and I will not give him a job because I will know that when things get hard, Sammy's going to quit. I said, so if you let him quit now, that's the message you're sending, and I want to be very clear that this has nothing to do with baseball. Our team will go on with or without Sammy, but he needs to be at practice tomorrow. She's like, well, I just have him at practice tomorrow. And he was at practice. And, you know, he went on the rest of the year and did fine. Right? Like, you know, oh, yeah. He was great. Yeah. But this is us as adults. And I'm not blaming his mom. We're all, we don't want our kids to be unhappy. I really get that. But there is tough love in this life, right? And uh, I, uh, I, I interviewed a woman for my show, and she was so good. Uh, uh, Hazel Ortega, she wrote a book called From Bouncing Checks to Private Jets. Love that name. And Hazel's a fellow EOer, and uh, she's out in California. And she said, uh, this guy pushed her. 
just pushed her. She's working for this guy. He just says, I need more from you. I, you know what? I'm going to pay for you to go to school. You need to go to school and get your stuff together. You know, I need this from you. You can be, and man, she's like, this guy, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But she goes, he was my pushy angel. I love that term, pushy angel. He's just giving her tough love. Like, I see what you can become, but you've got to go do it. But he will hold her accountable to getting it done. You still have a place here, but let's get this done. You still have a place here, but I need more from you. And she's like, man, this guy's hard to work for. He's probably an a-hole some days, right? Like, but she goes, now I look back. He was my pushy angel. And I'm like, isn't that what tough love is, right? Sometimes we need to be a pushy angel. We need to push on these people because as adults, like we know what's best for you. We know what's coming and it's our job to prepare for you and prepare what's about to come, which is what I've done my whole life for these pro athletes, right? As a strength and conditioning guy. Hey, Jeremy, when you come out on the field, when you get ready, this is what's about to happen. You went to training for recon and all these guys come together going, you can't really get ready, but this is what will happen, right? And we can only train you up, and, you're, and that, that least amount of training is all you could get up to, right? So the least amount you're trained is our potential. That's all we have. So we have to train you up to be very well skilled in everything that's about to happen. And when we talk about today adaptability, big term, it's a big itty. For us at Leadershipity, right? We all want adaptability. But what I see in organizations is we want that from people. But have we really given our team members the skills? Because if I ask you to adapt from a, from a long-range rifle to something short or even a pistol in, in a fire zone, that's three very different skill sets. So it's like, hey, it's going to go hand-to-hand or it's going to go pistol combat. But we haven't done any training on that. But listen, we need you to adapt to that. Uh, what's your chances of being successful? If I ask you to adapt to something you haven't been trained in, like kind of unfair on my part. And as business owners, I think we're doing this a lot. I think we're doing this like, hey, now I need you to just run uh, payroll and accounting. Well, you know, I didn't go to school for that. Yeah, you'll figure it out. You'll get like, so I'm asking for adaptability, but I don't really prep them for, for, for my team members for what's about to happen. So we have to be fair in our adaptability. Part of that adaptability is resourcefulness, which is where I think everyone's frustrated with a younger generation who goes, hey, Google, how do I do this? Hey, Google, find me that, because that's their idea of resourcefulness. Hey, Google is their idea and equal to resourcefulness. And you and I both know that is not winners finding a way. Google just pointed you in a direction. Now you got to go do the work, the three hours of you know, research, the finding the 10 people you need to talk to, the getting the two right people in here that can help us, you know, all the things that are going to need to go in. And everyone goes, well, I don't know how to do that. I, you know, I did the hey Google thing. Like, so you did 10% of the extra work, but you never really found a way to win. Well, it got hard. Man, I, could, I couldn't agree with you more in that we've, we've made it okay to be weak. Right. Society is, oh, we had to be nice. Look, I, 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 I get real passionate about this topic. People forget. Take away what's politically correct, not correct, what you should do, should not do. At the end of the day, 
we are primitive creatures, mm. right? Like Sadly. I don't, I mean, I've had episodes that I, I don't, I don't hide behind it. Like I, hell, I had my, my former priest on here for an episode talking about a very dark time during me Yeah, uh, uh, where it was like, look, make no bones about it. When I went in the Marine Corps, they trained me to be a very incredibly efficient, violent instrument of war. Now, people want to go, hey, we're going to go in hearts and minds, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now, do you understand? Like, okay, if we can do that, that's great. But if that doesn't work, my job is to kill everybody, right? Yes. There's nothing nice about that. No. But the thing that keeps the wolves at bay is because we have a country of men and women that are willing to sign away their freedoms and sacrifice their health, well-being, lives, family, and everything else to do violence on your behalf to protect you, to keep the wolves at bay. And now we live in this society of people going, well, nothing, nothing bad's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you don't think for a second, right? And like, I got nothing against people from China. I really don't. Used to live in China. Even learned to speak Mandarin, mm. right? Yeah. Lived in Beijing, worked in the U.S. Embassy there. Wow. Hell, Chinese food is one of my favorite foods. But the people that run their government, you don't think for a second if they had the opportunity to show up on our shores and turn this into China 2.0, they wouldn't do it in a heartbeat. But we have people that are living in la-la land going, no, they wouldn't do that because, you know, we really, we have mutual interest and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Humans at the end of the day are are primitive creatures and trying to demasculate that is, is the worst thing that we can do. Now, I'm not saying, right? I'm not saying we got to go be mean to people and beat people over the head with a club, but we need to have that healthy reminder of, hey, don't confuse my kindness with weakness because mm. if you need to find out that, that I can quickly not be kind and not be weak, then that is going to be a bad conversation for that side. And, and you take that not just in combat or the military or anything else, but just everything, just healthy business. Like if I had, so we had the numbers that were recently released. So just kind of, a, so when I got licensed in real estate in, uh, it was the, the very last day of September, 2016, and in my first 90 days, working with my wife, who's been in real estate for 20 years, even owned her own real estate company. And I looked at her and I said, in 24 months, we're going to be number one in Sotheby's. And she's like, how are we going to do it? And I said, I'll figure it out. I said, I have- Winners find a way. Yeah, yeah. If winners find a way. I was like, but I got a secret weapon. And she was like, what? And I was like, I got you. Yeah. You're highly educated. You have a law degree. You not only have been in this industry for two decades- your mother's been in this industry for four decades. You've owned your own real estate company. So you get it from the boutique style that you sold your company to Sotheby's and then was managing for Sotheby's. You get all the perspective. You've, got, you've forgotten more about real estate than I'm ever going to learn. So I have you. You're my secret weapon. I'm going to utilize what you've held, things you've even forgotten. And I'm going to combine that with my acumen that I have and then we're going to do something even more important, which is we're going to build an effective team, right? It was all about the team, yeah. right? Team, team, yeah. team, team, right? Team. And 24 months later, we were number one. That's right. 
And we were number one. That was 2018. We were number one in 2019. We were number one in 2020. Get this. Now, check this out. So they come out with the MLS reportings and all that. So this weekend, my wife was looking at it. And now, the, all they do is they record the the official what you did through MLS on-market stuff. Yeah. Doesn't include the off-market stuff. And the top five are people that literally they're new builder people. So they sit in an office, people that are coming there to buy a new home, they don't count. In my opinion, they're out, right? Sell 30 units yeah, yeah, because yeah. here's the model. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And by the way, I think there's something like close to 4,000 registered agents here, right? Just here in Fort Worth. We're number six. And we got there in five years. Mm. Why? Not because I have some magical knowledge nobody else has. As a matter of fact, like when you were talking about you know, oh my God, you know, if they know how to do it like I do. In fact, my methodology is when I speak with clients, I'm like, my goal is that you will know as much, if not more, about real estate than I do by the time we're done. And then other agents are like, oh my God, if they did that, then they wouldn't need us. Hey, guess what, Jack Lantern? They don't need us in the first place. Yeah. It, you don't have to have a real estate to put a for sale by owner sign there. And you don't have to have a real estate license, knock on your neighbor's door and go, hey, you want to sell it and come to a negotiated price. People come to us because... They're going to get educated in the system, which is going to speed communication. Mm. But we're there because they trust us and we trust them, right? And it, that, that's how we've been able to be effective at that. And we've got a team that, you know, we everybody knows how to do each other's job, but everybody has a particular strength. Mm. Because, hey, why turn weaknesses into strengths when you can turn strengths into superpowers? Right. Right? Right. Why should I go learn to do something you're really good at when I can just let you turn into a superpower? I'll do my superpower. And we were able to elevate together, right, and, and to build this. And it has been just fun, fun to watch because really at the end of the day, all I was was the conductor of this thing. Yeah. I haven't done all the hard work to get us to number six, right? Well, and let's look at Bill Belichick. He's not, yeah. he's not throwing the football. He's not tackling anybody, right? Yeah. Like he's putting – Every player on the team in a position to be successful. And, and your wife has this level of confidence, right? Confidence comes from prep and reps, right? She's very well prepared because she's done all this work. Law degree, been in the business. Parents have been in the business. She's been around this game since the beginning. So repetition, repetition, repetition. So I always use the word on confidence, right? It's like driving. You know, when you have, you, you've trained these kids up, you've got kids, yeah. 15 years old, oh my gosh, I'm scared. Like, I'm scared to parallel park. I'm scared, like, someone's going to cross the middle line and hit me. Well, there's this self-preservation. They want to stay on their side, too. You know, like, we don't want, <laughs> you know, this is all how it works out. But you and I at our age, at 50 years old, yeah. will not think twice about getting in the car and going to the grocery store and what we need. It's on autopilot. We can eat a sandwich, smoke a cigarette, do everything while we're doing it yeah. because we know exactly what to look for. We're monitoring signs. We have all many, so many skill sets going on because of how many repetitions have we had in this now? Like thousands and thousands of reps, right? We all went to driver's education, training, films, all these things. We are very well prepared. And we have a lot of prep and a lot of reps. So we're good. 15, 60 year olds, they are not. <laughs> don't, you know, don't take the car this. Hey, take this car. Because if that one, you know, you fender bender that one, we're okay, right? Like, <laughs> and so you know, we are, we're aware that we're not confident yet. Yeah. And so she has this ultimate level of confidence. When you find that confidence in people, and there's a gray line, right? Confidence and arrogance, right? Mm -hmm. But 
when you find those people that are in the confidence, so here's here's the difference, and this is the this is the the two uh, really cornerstones of the pyramid of leadershipity: integrity and humility. So when I have someone who has that integrity, you know they can be a great team member, right? Because they have self respect, self integrity. They are doing the right things even when no one's watching. But that humility does not mean that they are not confident, yeah. right? We know, uh, and we look at Brady, who's a very confident player, but he doesn't come out like, hey, look at me, yeah. right? He's about caring for the team. If you, ha- if you haven't watched his The Man in the Arena, it's, it's telling about what leadership really looks like. And a- as you go through it, he, he has some guards in place to ever, to keep him from ever rising above that confidence level into that rare mm-hmm. air, dark, where all the wind comes out of arrogance. Yeah. So people will catch him. And, you know, and I think people don't go running into arrogance. Uh, they, they drift, right? We drift from what we're supposed to do. And I like, I, I have a saying I heard from a good friend of mine, uh, trying to think of John's last name. And, uh, John and I would tell about he's like, you know, hey, it's so important because we don't go running away from what's right. We drift, right? And in our spiritual life, we have this, hey, yeah, I'm going to have a wake up, do my morning relationship with the Lord, get some time together. Ah, you know, I missed a day. Ah, I missed a week. Ah, I missed a month now. And all of a sudden it's, you know, we're, we're, we're just drifting, drifting. Hey, six months down the road, you're like, hey, Trent, man, like, what, where are you going? You're, you're way off the line here, man. Like, I need people like Jeremy Spann in my life to pull me back and go, hey, man, this isn't, no, not okay. Not you. Not what you're about. Now, he's got people around him that will level him in a heartbeat, right? They know who he is as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a quarterback, as a business owner, all the things he has to be. He has people around him that are very close to him that goes, "Mm, are you drifting? And it's not going to happen because – Hey, Jeremy, if you're a good friend of mine, catch my drift. Like you have permission because if I get offline, I need someone to pull me back. That is so, that is so incredibly important. So, uh, which is really, really funny. Another EO-er uh, created what's called Oak Journal. Have you, have you heard of this? I have one. I have one in my bag I, right dude, now. Dude, my, I, I live and die by that thing. Mm. So for when I started this uh, fund, right, so – Ricky's got the landscaping company. Eric's got the uh, maintenance company, you know, and we're, we're, and so we have these, you know, Monday morning Zooms we're, we're, we're talking about, right? And uh, so I got introduced to Oak Journal because Don Lamont in my, my forum gave them out to us as gifts. And man, I, that is my thing every morning, the mm. 10, 10, 10 morning, right? Yep. And it has made an instrumental difference in that. That came out to the entire team, right? And I was like, look, I, the only thing I can control is giving you the book. I can't control <laughs> whether or not you're going to lean into it, right? Yep. And, and, that is the, and that is the key there is I need you guys to be able to do this, but you're going to have to make the decision on whether or not you do this. Well, it's really interesting, especially for the purpose of this conversation, is this morning's question for me was, what is your defi- what has been your defining moment? And I had to sit there and think about it. So the, the, for the audience at Oak Journal, you, you in the morning you do three you know three things of gratitude, 
you know, what is your vision for the day? What are the three most important things you got to do? And then ask a question that you journal. So you spend 10 minutes doing meditation, 10 minutes reading, 10 minutes journaling. And so this question is, what was your defining moment? And I had to sit there thinking, I was like, man, I've had a lot of defining moments in my life. Mm -hmm. But I had to sit there and put some serious thought into what was that one thing that was truly, because I, I you know, I'm not humble brag here is I've done some, I'm not, I don't have the normal resume a lot of people right. have, right? And I thought, you know, what was it? Was it this? Was it that? And then it, then it, then it really hit me is, see, I enlisted in the Marines when I was 17, which meant my parents had to sign for me, right? Yeah. And it was my dad took him about that long. He was like, man, he's your fucking problem now. <laughs> Mom might have been a little bit I'm more relaxed. I got tired of kicking his ass six months ago, right? <laughs> in fact, my hand hurts from kicking his ass so much. I'm tired of it. You, y'all go, you know, then you get to boot camp and you're just like, oh man, they're mean to us. And I was like, man, we get to eat three times a year, three times a day and you don't die. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're mean to us. I was like, dude, it's called Tuesday at my house, man. I'm like, hey, what are you talking about? But no, I, I'll seriously, it was, so I get there and then on top of that, I'm the skinniest kid there. Matter of fact, I was a what they call a double rat, right? So that I what is a double we rat? So double ration. So when we went ration. through the chow ha line, right? So you had the fat bodies that they reduced. Hey, yeah, like, you need to cut. Right here's your salad, and then you had the regular folks, and then you had folks like me who I had to have a white waiver to get in, not because I was obese, but because I was that light. Mm. So they're cramming calories in me. So I'm the smallest guy. The youngest guy, and I can't – give me a line. I can't remember. I think it was like 60 people in a battalion. I can't remember how many of in, 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 in boot camp. And I graduated honor man, guide, the leader of the platoon. And, and, and the thing was is youngest, smallest, and everything else because – so I would say for my defining moment was when I entered boot camp, I realized something is that, hey, I – I've got this grit, like we were talking about, but I, I, I know I'm a leader. I feel like I'm a leader. And at the end of the day, graduating, carrying that guide on was a demonstration of not only did the drill instructors believe it, but everybody in my platoon believed it, that like, hey, the youngest, skinniest, scrawniest guy is the guy that's going to run in before any of us. Mm. And, and the only reason he's going to get it is because that little quick bastard is going to be ahead of us. You know, the only thing with him is like, keep up. Yeah. Right. And, and that was the thing is that it was like, wow, because that became the thing for me is like, I can fail at a lot of things, but I'm not going to fail as a leader because, and this is going to sound kind of weird is because I fail as a leader every day. Right. All the time. Right. How do I learn from that? Right. That's learning. How do I get better? Like, like, for example, going back to James, right? Like I was really frustrated with James two months ago. I was ready to choke him out. Right. And I was like, <laughs> but what I realized is to give him the tools and assets that he needed to succeed, I had reached my limitations based on knowledge, experience, and every education and everything else. So in other words, I'd run out of tools in my box. Yeah. So he came over to the house and I sat down and I said, and you know, and he was like, Man, I'm sorry, I don't I don't want you to be mad at me and blah blah blah. And I says, No, I I said, You help me learn to become a better leader because I'm not giving you something you need. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bring in it we're gonna have to bring in another player, and so I went and got my Smart. old executive coach that I had for two years, Tony Ford, who's been on the show. Good, and I and I was like the progress in James in the last couple of weeks, astronomical. That's right. Now, of course, he literally 
calls me after every meeting with Tony every Monday, and he's like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, hey, man. Pushy angel. Yeah, yeah, pushy, pushy angel, angel, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. he's doing his job. Yeah. If he's saying things, if you're saying things like that, yep. I was like, dude, listen, if it wasn't hard, it would either mean you got nothing wrong with you, and I can promise you, we all need corrections, or you weren't leaning into the process. You're leaning into the process, and the, and, the, and you're making that. You're making that progress, and it has been – just, I was even telling him this morning, right? I was like, dude, just watching that, I'm excited for you, right? Yeah. This guy, he could sell. You're going to meet him today. This guy, I kid you not, could go to Guantanamo Bay right now with Al Qaeda sitting in sales, being waterboarded 15 times a day, and he could sell them a bucket of water. Mm. This dude could sell. He could just sell. You know, I think, I think first of all, you were going to everybody quit. The best in the world have a coach. Why wouldn't you? I mean, like, why wouldn't you? Like, listen, you think you think when Tiger Woods is going through this thing and his coach like, nope, nope. Harmon's going, nope, that's wrong. Nope, I don't like this. Nope, that's not, not okay on the follow-through. Like, you know what, man? I just won the Masters, the PGA. <laughs> like, Screw you, man. Like, like, And he's like, I thought you wanted to be the best in the world. That's what you told me. So I'm helping you become the best in the world, right? Yeah. And I, and I love this. I love this thing because when you talk about the three most important things, right? So this is what this is what Belichick, Saban, they're so good at. They are like, do your job. You have roles and responsibilities. Inside that role and responsibility of wherever you're at, right, is you've got things that you need to own. And just like you and I, the three most important things for me today are not three most important things that are you today, even though we may be on the same team, right? I got my role. You got your role. I got my responsibilities. You got your responsibilities. You don't own mine. I don't own yours, right? But as a unified team, we are unified in what that brings us as a team together because I did my job and you did your job, right? So now let's take a 100-member team with all 100 doing the three most absolute critical and most impactful things for the team each day, four or five days a week, right? Mm -hmm. So we have that. So they get their 15 things done every week, right? And then they do that because we believe in productivity, right? So when we have that, we do that 50 weeks of our year, right? So you take your 100-person unit doing the 75,000 most impactful items, most important items. You know the organization that does that? You know what I call them? Hired. Right. <laughs> Winners, champions, best in show. You call it because nobody else can do it. Yeah. No, nah. and that is, man, you're you're so right. It's like even when James and I were going over his Oak Journal, you know. So you know, like in, in these Oak Journals, in the beginning of it, it says, "What's your ne next ninety days?" Right. So it does it in ninety day increments. So for the audience, is you know, you you really have the attention span to operate in a ninety day window, right? Yeah. And it says your big, hairy, audacious goals, and that's so. When I was explaining to the team yesterday, and I was going over it again with James today, is something that. You, Harry Audacious' goal is you can touch it, but you can barely touch it with your fingertips. Mm. If you can wrap your arms around it, too that's close. not, yeah. Too close. And if you can't touch it, like you, there's no feeling, then it's not within. It's way outside. Way your outside. Reach. 
but just to barely reach out as far as you can. And you can just feel the wall right there. Yeah. Just barely scraping it. That's the hairy, audacious goal, right? And I said, but if you just focus on three things a day, the, the, that day, because look, life, circumstances, yeah. that, that's, a moving, that's a moving target every single day. One degree better today. Right. It. One movement, yeah. one click. And I said, James, if you do the three most important things a day, seven days a week, that's 21 things. And by the way, most people are not focused enough to get 21 things done in a week. Matter of fact, really, you know, this whole multitasking and everything, because I used to be a big liar. Like, oh, you, you can multitask. No, no, you're just the biggest liar in the room is the bitch in the mirror, right? You're just lying. You're lying. You're lying to yourself, right? You're yes. just lying to yourself. Yes. It's like, just focus on those three things. Yes. Because guess what? Life is going to happen. You know, like last week, right? Man, changing flight schedules. Getting this stomach parasite to help me with my New Year's goals of losing weight. Stuff like that. My daughter's 21st birthday. Jumping a flight. All, all, yeah. all these things. Guess what? That's called life. Right? But the journal's keeping you guided to the fact like you're not well. You're not healthy. And if I can do the three most impactful things that I need to do today between 9 and 11 a.m. Yeah. I can rest between 3 and 6 p.m. when oh. I get a break because I have done it. And we have, we have this program automated, by the way, in data-driven operations. We call it DDOps. And we've basically put that in a role so it monitors every person. So now those managers have all that data internally, and we can all look back and say, what has each role impacted? What have they contributed to our team and our organization. Because I can look what they logged at every three things every day. So if I want to go back and look at the last 90 days and the 270 things they've contributed in those 90 days, I can look at that list and go, maybe I want to change the next role and, and add for the person in this role because now I'm more dialed into exactly what I need from this role because Trisha is a world beater and look what she's accomplished and look where her focus is. If I was in that role, I don't know if I would have chose these as the most impactful things, but after I see her body of work and her results, I think she's got it right. So maybe I need to adapt and change that. Maybe I need to change for who's going to replace her because know, she's coming up to the next level. We can look at her. She's a world beater. Yeah. Right. And DD Ops puts it all in there. And what I want from, you know, why leadership exists is because nobody went to school for leadership and no one went to school to be a coach. And all of our team members, they need leaders and they need coaches. Help me get better. Yeah. Right. And I want you to put that care into them, grab them onto your team. You want them to be great. Cause, cause I'll tell you what, man, the, the two words, I cannot stand to hear good enough. Oh, I will, oh. I will break things, man. Oh. And so here as a coach, I look at that and I say, man, this is what Jeremy said his focus was on these 21 items this week. I want to break that down. And as a coach, knowing hopefully that I've been in the role you're in or I'm, I'm very uh, uh, knowledgeable about your role today, I want to say like, I got three things that I thought should have been on your list. Let's chat about that. Yeah. Like, how come the Davis account wasn't in this? We do have this massive proposal coming up Monday. In these 21 days, you are all set to go. Well, I, I, I probably need to do a little work on it. It's the biggest contract we've had yet. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how the week before, how this could not 
have been one of the greatest impactful things. Well, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, I mean, looking back, it, it, it probably should have been like, well, that's right. It probably should have been. That's number two, make an excuse. <laughs> that's right. Why was it? And, and it's not to call you out. It's that, so it never happens again. Like we need to understand where your focus is. I'm helping you get better. Like, I just want you to make sure that you're focused because we are all, you are responsible for closing this Davis account. I am not. I just want to make sure that you doing your job and I'm here to coach you up to help you do it. And now I've got all sorts of data input to coach you on. Man. And you know, DD apps. That's, that's, and I'd, I'd be amiss if I didn't say this about Oak Journal as well. Mm. So, you know, you've got morning routine and evening routine. Yes. So what time's a commodity. We can't buy more of them. We don't get that's a right. refund on it once spent. And I'm always like, how do I control my time? How do I create more time? Which the only way to create time is to get things off my schedule, off my list or whatever else, right? That's right. And one of the biggest things that bogged me down was emails, right? The endless cesspool of emails. And so part of my morning routine, right? I won't go through the whole litany of it, but I assigned 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the evening of checking emails, doing whatever, so I wasn't distracted throughout the entire day. But I was like, man, I need to get this down better. So I put something on my most, you know, on this 90-day cycle, which was unsubscribe to anything not relevant to current personal or business, right? That's right. So I did that. And it was funny because I told James this morning, I said, I have added an hour to my day. And he said, what do you mean? And I was like, because I, I, I allotted, I live and die by a calendar, 40 minutes, my emails, now that I've unscribed stuff, my emails have actually gotten it down to where I can check them in 10 in the morning and 10 in the evening. I allotted 40 minutes and 40 minutes. I created About an hour. 60 minutes. For guys like you and I, 60 Huge. minutes. That's a year for us. Yeah. Right? Huge. But it's being able to take, you know, for, for people to be able to reach out to you and go, hey, coach, this is this is my issue. But the thing is, is, if somebody's going to lean into the process, they got to be willing to answer candidly what the complications they are having, right? Put that ego aside, put the insecurities aside and say, hey, Trent, coach, this is this is where I'm really struggling. Yep. So That's that right. way you can help them identify it. And then sometimes that for maybe that one particular little thing, maybe the course of solution is, turns out it's pretty significantly easy. Yeah. And then you sit there and go, wait a minute. So I did this for four weeks and you're right, it was easy, but I've been allowing this to dominate me for four years. Yeah. I, let me give you, can I give you a couple hacks? Yeah. 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 yeah I'm going to yeah, give you a couple yeah, hacks right yeah, here. Let's hear. Let's this hear. is one of the first things. Baseball, it's the little things that matter, right? And so the example I use is like runners from home to first take approximately 14 steps from home to first, right? You're a former baseball guy and you see so many... Bang, bang, plays it first, right? Under no movement of greater turnover in your legs through mechanics, you can increase your stride length through mechanics by four to six inches. So that's about the width of the table. If I took this 14 times, probably a little bit longer. I'll just use the width of our four-foot table. So if you could get the home to first and I could cut that four feet off, how many times are you safe if you hit the ball to the left side and a guy has to double clutch or doesn't field it cleanly out of the glove and then try to throw you because that's worth 
27 points a year to your batting average. Mm. Like, I don't know if you can use an extra 27, but last time I looked, yeah. at 280 and you go over to 300, it's worth an extra three and a half million a year. <laughs> right? <laughs> so how about you do the one thing which you can control, which is your mechanics on how well you can get out of the box and run the first hard. That's number one, right? Like it's it's the simple things that matter. So in our world, a lot of teams, I coach a lot of people like you, right? And time is of the essence. And we are bogged with a bunch of time. So one of the hacks I have a lot of these experts do is you get one hour of think time every Friday. It is, un, it is guarded with all your time. It is in your spot. It's a chair, wherever you can go to get your time and all you do is think. Now, Things are going to come up in that week and say, man, this is, this is a challenge. I need to think about that and get that and get back to somebody on that. But instead of you carrying that Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, I write that into my calendar for Friday at 2 to 3 p.m. on my think time. And now it's been transferred. That thought process is because I will be dealing with it, but not till Friday at 2 o'clock because it is not urgent today. Right? So instead of losing all my energy and effort today on whether, you know, hey, should, should we let that client, you know, should, should we do this thing over here in Fort Lauderdale? Should we? I need to think about it. You got it on your calendar Friday and no one's going to need an answer until next week. So you'll address it. Why are you messing up? Why are you losing time? Why are you asking for somebody to repeat themselves? Because you're spending time thinking about it right now on a Wednesday afternoon when you really need to be engaged in this meeting and be done with it in 30 minutes. But people are repeating themselves. It's a short meeting, so the meeting takes an extra 45 because you're distracted. Think time. And anything that comes in, dump it into your Friday think time. I get it because it's not urgent. That, to me, for an owner, is a big deal. Okay? Two is Blinkist, right? We are always upskills. We are always learning. Blinkist is books in 15 minutes. Read or audio. Everyone subscribes. I need to get this book. Good to great. Oh, that's a fabulous book. Here it is in 15 minutes. This is what you need to know. That's what leaders in their life need. It is going to be very difficult. And we hear this all the time. CEOs, they read 52 books a year, you know, blah, blah. You know what? Maybe you're the CEO and you got everybody else doing everything for you. Maybe I could have the time to read a book a week. But I've got about 15 minutes to take in some information. And then I, now I want to work on actually applying that information to me and my team because I do not want to spend eight hours, 12 hours reading the information. I want to get the download on the data and then start working on how we apply it as a team. So those are my two hacks for you. All right. I'm just going to tell the audience right now. <laughs> I... You're a blessing and a curse. You're a blessing because this is, in my opinion, I don't know what the audience will think, is hands down the best content I've recorded to date. The curse is, the competitive nature in me is now I got to go find someone who can deliver content better than you. <laughs> yeah, so thanks a lot for uh, adding yeah, more yeah, stuff yeah, to my yeah, plate, yeah, Trent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll hey, be great. So, uh, so... I like to wrap up all these by going, hey, let's go back to 20-year-old self. Mm. No, I don't know. We would tell each ourselves a million things. But if you had a five-minute window to jump a time machine to go back and you knew 20-year-old Trent was going to listen to one thing of either do this or don't do that, what do you tell 20-year-old Trent? 
I'd say, you know, stay the course. Stay the course and be patient. There, we, we know the difference between right and wrong. We were given a conscience. And right's not easy, but it's simple. It's always been simple, right? Like, there's nothing so complicated about, like, the Bible or, you know, what, what we're supposed to be doing. It's just not easy, right? We're humans. We were like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, that sounds hard, you know? And staying the course on what's right, I think, um, is really important. I think you, you really attached to that by getting your focus every day. I think that's really critical. But it's also patience, right? Like, Rome wasn't built in a day. And, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, last, last number I checked was 80 to 82% of people that are passing from this COVID disease are obese. Man, that's, that's not great for me, right? Like as a health and wellness guy who believes in exercise and movement as a key thing for, for our physical and our mental health, you know, I think we have to add our moral conditioning from spiritual and being knowing what's right and doing those things. But on that physical and mental health, if you told me that I could, we could buy a stock for $100 and every week it's going to gain a dollar. And a year from now, we're going to have our stock at 152. Are you buying? Because I'm a buyer, right? Yeah. I'm like, come on, baby, bring that on. I'm, I'm going to get a million shares of that, right? Like right now. So it's the same with our weight. We have to be patient, but doing the things that we know are good and right every day produces a pound a week. Most people are not 52 pounds overweight, but if you can drop 52 pounds in a week, you're going to get or one in a week for a year. You are not likely to be obese in one year, but it starts with a daily habit change, right? And I think if I had to go back and tell myself, it would be stick to those daily habit things that really create value for for me, for my family, for my team, and for others. Man, that is wisdom beyond wisdom. So people want to learn more about Trent Clark. How do, how do yeah. they find you? Where yeah, ping go? me. Ping me. Uh, Trent at leadershipity.com is my email. Uh, we are at leadershipity.com. You can find me on all the major uh, social networks at Trent M. Clark or Leadershipity. And that's just leadership ITY, right? I, I, right. We battle that. I have to spell that for hotels all the time. Hey, man, I'm you know? a Marine. I can't spell that good. So you, you know, I have a picture of that yeah, I can yeah. look at? Or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do. We have the pyramid, the pyramid of leadership. And, and, and I, when I explain it, it makes a lot of sense. Leadershipity, right? It's the itties of leadership. We all want them. Yeah. Integrity, humility, spirituality, accountability. You know, we want uh, uh, coachability, adaptability, responsibility, dependability, right? Yeah. We want visibility, unity, clarity. We have to do that as leaders, and we certainly want productivity, right? And so you know, when we talk about the 80s, we want these in all our leaders. And, and we don't have them in ourselves all the time, right? And so you mentioned it before. If I'm not great at quality, you know what I do? I hired Trisha, who's fabulous at quality. And when it comes to quality, like, I don't know, Trisha, do you think we, this is the, the quality we need? No, I think it needs to pick it up. We need to pick it up because that's what Trisha says, because she's a lot better at it than I am. Yeah. And so she will run point. And why wouldn't, you know, you, you've probably had this experience. As an owner, 
I've had a lot of yes people come in on interviews, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they could be a little intimidated by the sports thing or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, you know, so I, I, I had this happen a couple of years ago and it was a young person out of college, young man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. And I, I stopped this interview at about the 12-minute mark. And I said, hey, is there going to be an original thought here? Because if you think what I think, one of us isn't needed here, since I'm the owner, it's probably you, right? Like, and so we've, and I think people, people in the corporate world, this is the difference, right? When we talk about the inefficiencies, hey, I want you to be just like me. And entrepreneurs do not want that at all. I know the skill sets I bring. I got a bunch of skills I need around here that I don't bring. So I don't need another me. I need to fill in gaps. Right? Yep. So, brother, so for all y'all that are driving down the road or you didn't have a chance to write all this down, you can always go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. Click on podcasts, scroll down to Trent Clark. We'll have all the links and everything on there. Trent, brother, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, Jerry, thanks. This is awesome. Man. Thanks, buddy.